Welcome to the 12th episode of The Coaching Practice. In this episode, I spoke to Ilona, who is a PhD candidate in the discipline of coaching and has a focus in coaching entrepreneurs. I hope you enjoy. Welcome everyone to this episode of The Coaching Practice. It is my privilege to be speaking to Ilona today and it's, it's, it's a pleasure. Welcome. Welcome Ilona to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, GP. So Ilona, if you could tell us what brought you into coaching. Um, so my first training is industrial psychology. I was a psychometrist for almost a decade and um, we get to those points in our career where we start to want to do more. Um, but that was brought forward for me when I was um, working with a senior manager who then said to me, I hear what you're saying, your feedback, but can you teach me to develop these things? Mm. And we were in the business of diagnosis more than the business of, of empowering and helping um, facilitate that change. And I started to see a gap in what I was um, delivering as a talent manager at that time. So... Luckily, at the bank where I was working, there was training on how to be a coach, coaching for growth, it was called. I went on that training and, yeah, fell in love with coaching, eventually did more training externally and so on. Yeah. So what, what struck me about what you said was that you felt that there was a gap between the diagnosis of the problems and then um, looking to, to fix what you, what you found. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, and then what keeps you in coaching, Ilona? Um, so I personally believe in lifelong learning. I believe that everybody's got potential and what I see is not the final product of anybody. So through coaching, I get to meet people and enable them to grow to their potential, grow towards their dreams, grow beyond their limiting beliefs, be beyond their circumstances. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's just empowering for me as well. I just love doing it. That's amazing. So Elena, if, if, you could, if you could give coaches who are just starting out any piece of advice or pointers, what would, what would that be? For coaches starting out, um, I have a metaphor that I use because, you know, we come out of the different institutions where you study, you have this whole toolkit, probably, hopefully, mm. that you've learned all these models, you've learned all these things. I always say that don't forget you are going to be coaching a, a human being that's going to come with their unique circumstances. Mm. In as much as your doctor will not wake up in the morning and say, this morning, this is all I'm prescribing to everybody before mm -hmm. they meet anyone. I think as coaches, we need to recognize that we need to meet the person where they are. So just because my favorite approach is ABC, it doesn't mean that I need to impose that on every single, there's no one, one size fits all, basically. Mm -hmm. Elena, moving into your philosophy of practice, how would you define coaching as you practice it? Um, coaching is a collaborative process. So um, we co-create with the coaches, um, co-create the solutions to the problems that they have, or 
co-create the future that they desire. So mutual responsibility from the coach's side and also the coachee. Mm, it's a two-way street and a, yes, and a partnership. Yes. Given that definition, what are some of the foundational theories that you base your coaching practice on? So I definitely systems theory. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's no human being that's in a vacuum. We all belong to one or other system. Um, so I, I like theories and models that are mm-hmm. systemic in your view. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to make the coaches aware of that. So I'll give you an example. If I'm coaching a, an entrepreneur who's starting out and talking about working 24-7 and not resting, you know the narrative, the modern narrative mm-hmm. for startups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the things that I, I raise for awareness is who are your stakeholders in this? Who's, who's impacted by your work life pattern? Mm-hmm. And just to make them aware that, yes, you have these goals, you have this, this focus, but perhaps you have a family, you have team members who are also working for you, and perhaps they, they don't need to be working 24-7 because they've got other things to do. So mm-hmm. just making people recognize that this thing that you've come to coaching for is one out of an entire system that you belong to. And mm-hmm. being aware that when you shift in this in this little quadrant or this area that you want to work on, they may be pushed back in the other areas of life and just empowering the person to be able to preempt and expect that there'll be shifts in their whole life and not just the one area that they've come for. Hmm. Hmm. So, speak speaking about theories and models, many times coaches that go through, through training can be swamped in the whole mm. wide, wide world of theories and models, what would your advice be for coaches who might feel, yes, they're coming out of all this training and there's so many theories and models they can use. How do they find the ones that would be truly useful? Um, so I, I feel that you can, so the theories and the models are really to empower you as a coach and not to come and overwhelm your clients with this diary or this album of approaches that you show to them, you know? So I think, remember, coaching is a conversation. It's not you going to lecture your clients and say, this is how the grow model works. This is how this model works. That's not the outcomes that the client is looking for. So be prepared to, to work on yourself, grow and understand the models. But at the, at the base of it all, don't forget that you're coaching a client that possibly has no um, awareness of all these theories and that's not what they've come to you for. So be able to be conversational in whatever model that you use. And that's, mm. the, that's how you use it effectively. It's not about being able to churn out 20 theories in one session, but it's about being able to weave that theory and that model into your conversation and still have effective outcomes. So wielding wielding theories so they're conversation proof or compatible. Yes. yes. Mm, I like that. So Elena, moving into your, your coaching business. Um, you mentioned that you work with entrepreneurs specifically. Are there mm-hmm. any other niches that you practice in client wise? 
Um, yes, so I work with entrepreneurs I also, in incubators. I also work with executive, employed executives. Um, I Because of my previous career in talent management, I still get quite a bit of career coaching clients. Um, yeah, so I work across sectors, um, across levels. Of In the recent years, I've worked a lot more with senior employees than your entry levels. Hmm. And uh, how did you choose these niches? Um, so it started with what is it that I'm passionate about? Because I believe that when you are engaged and interested in the outcomes for your coaching, mm-hmm. um, that's where the magic is. So I asked myself, what, who would I coach even if I didn't get paid for it? Mm. And the entrepreneurs and small businesses came the executives came naturally. Um, and career coaching, like I said, it follows me. And it's something I can do with my eyes closed. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy seeing people grow. So those three stood out for me. Um, and then sometimes clients will come to you with different needs. And that's when you'll know, does this resonate with me? Is this something that I want to do or not? So I, I would say a balance between you can't predict everything that you will be interested in from the beginning. So be open, be curious, experience it all, and then make an informed decision of what, what actually works and what doesn't. Hmm. Elena, if we talk about the subject of niches specifically, do you feel that coaches need niches or not? Or what are your, what are your feelings about the subject of niches in, in coaching? Um, so, if we go back to definition of coaching, um, the classical definitions that a coach mm-hmm. doesn't need to be a specialist in that area, then if we go by that, I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I think the niche is very much aligned to what the coach is interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a marketing perspective, it works best so that you are known for something. You're known to be the coach that works with entrepreneurs or the coach that works with executives. And then you ask yourself, so if people sat in a room and were looking for a coach and said, Elona is a person for this, what would that be? So the necessity Mm of niches would be for your market to know and identify and isolate you to say, I know this person's a go-to for this because your marketing is very clear. So when, let's say, Sam has just finished her training course in, in coaching or whatever, and she uh, she wants to find her niche, how would you go about, mm-hmm. how, would, how would you say she could go about that? So um, I remember helping one of my students recently, and one of the things I said to her is start with one thing, learn and master that that area, and then you can um, broaden. You can either ditch it and say, say, for example, you want to start with coaching graduates. Then you mm. study the graduates, try and figure out what are their needs. Is the timing right? Um, let's say, I think in South Africa, July is not really the greatest month to be looking at graduates because they're still studying. Um, time your, your, your marketing around when is the right time to approach this niche? What are they going through? What is the best solution I can give to them? And from what I'm saying, you already can hear that you can't 
have a general approach to everyone in the world when you're asking these specific questions. Mm. So the moment when you're starting, I would recommend identify one group, study them and get to understand what's their problem, what are they looking for, and where can you come in as a solutionist and then approach them with the solutions from a space of understanding what is the problem that they're facing. Hmm. Okay. So getting, getting data and also getting a space where they actually um, have a specific need for coaching and working, working from there. Yes. And also be creative. Don't, you don't need to recreate what's on the market just because there's another guru in the graduate coaching space taking it a certain way. It doesn't mean that's the only way to do it. So it's important mm. to bring in your own creativity and see how what's my approach going to be and how am I going to speak to this group. Mm. Elena, last question centers on certification. What are your thoughts on coaches having to belong or belonging to bodies like Comensa or the ICF or any of the others? Do you think it's critical? Do you think it's necessary? What What are your thoughts? Um, wow, putting me on the spot, that's an interesting discussion. So I think you get what you take from the certifications. There's a, a coach that will say, I will just register with them. So I have it on my website. I have it on my credentials. And I don't need to engage with the, with the organization or with the, other, with the peers. And then mm. that's what they get. But there's also a coach who says, I'm going to network. I'm going to go for events. I'm going to go for the learning um, CPD things. And I'm going to grow mm. from my engagement with, with mm -hmm. a mentor or ICF or whichever one you choose. And so if you mm. look at those two approaches, then you get what you've, you, you've come for. So okay. from, uh, okay. Yes. And also from a client perspective, um, I will say be belonging to a professional body gives you some credibility. It's not always necessary in South Africa. It's a developing field. There are some clients, you will get clients, even if you're not part of a professional body, but there are also some organizations that are making it a prerequisite to belong to Comensa, for example. Hmm. Okay, so that's actually a great answer. So it depends on your on your needs as a professional. Do you want to just be associated with the institution or do you have a need to further develop or grow and that that would probably um, from what I'm understanding you're saying give you the answer you you need in terms of certification yes yes so I would say like um, read up on the different um, organizations look at what they're offering and see which one aligns with you which one represents your interests and then mm. that that should be easy to make the choice mm. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Ilona, for um, the insights you, you, you gave us. And, and thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Dupi. Thanks. Bye. Bye.